Hello and good afternoon. It is uh, episode, well, 69. And I'm currently sat here on my own as Kate is out, um, partly because I have been spending a ludicrous amount of time editing this particular episode. Uh, We actually recorded this yesterday uh, where we had a guest, Amanda Fitzgerald. It was a fascinating conversation because Amanda is somebody who we've actually been working with over the last couple of months to help us with both Smiley Booth, the photo booth hire company we have, and with Say It in basically getting ourselves known with the national press and magazines. And Amanda's, if you like, expertise is getting small business owners and startups and just businesses in general access to the national press and magazines through her strategies and her contacts. And she has a very interesting philosophy about PR and just basically raising your profile and business's profile, where she basically wants to teach us and you how to do it. Normally, it's something that's we found in business incredibly intimidating. Over the last 12 years of running our own business, getting into the world of PR has either felt a little bit scary or normally the price tags can be incredibly large. So we've spent a lot of our time historically focusing on the things that we feel are a little bit more accessible. Things like social media marketing or paid advertising or networking and things like that. And PR is something that we had previously considered to be something that the big boys do. And maybe us startups or small business owners, it's something we'll get round to eventually. But Amanda definitely has some incredible strategies and insights, a lot of experience. And we really felt that this was a really important episode to be able to share with you guys as our audience, as people that are probably thinking about getting into business or have a startup or even in business as we speak, and just need that kind of jet fuel, if you like, that national press or a magazine articles and so on can give you. So over the course of this particular episode, Amanda shares a huge amount of her experience and strategies, which hopefully will be of some use to yourselves. Uh, Apologise that it's a few hours behind. Again, we recorded this yesterday, but due to a couple of technical glitches with the sound and the video, I've been spending quite a few hours just getting this right so you guys can actually listen to it without constantly shaking your head thinking, Jesus, what has Liam Kate done with the audio? So it's now all sorted, thank goodness, and enjoy. Uh, Amanda Fitzgerald. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hi, thank you so much for the invite, the smiling entrepreneurs. And you are smiling. We are smiling. <laughs> Generally. We try and be quite smiley. So um, this, uh, for our listeners and viewers, is Amanda Fitzgerald. Um, and Amanda is known as the ultimate door opener. So she she gets you in those doors that you've been kind of trying to kick down, um, mostly through PR um, and kind of contacts and just raising your profile. So how did you get into this world, Amanda? Where did it kind of all start? Oh, blimey, that's... <clears throat> a, the story goes back many years. So I am 50. I'm a young, a very young 50. <laughs> Not really. Anyway, and um, my mum ran a business when I was, um, you know, age 12 upwards. So she was an entrepreneur and she used to import beads from all around the world. And she ran a highly successful mail order catalogue. 
and um, and she was like a, a market leader. But she only became a market leader because she managed to get herself into the Daily Mail, which then totally springboarded her career. Her, um, you know, her everybody knew about her because literally she had a very small piece in the Daily Mail. And then the next day, because it's all about, um, you know, make your own bead kits, you know, because she used to buy them from France and Germany and Italy and Philippines, all the rest of it. And she saw some gorgeous beads. And um, anyway, so it was in the Daily Mail. And then the next day, literally, she got about eight sackloads. This is before email was ever, invent ever invented. That's, so that's back in the 1980s. She got, do you remember what a postal order is? You know, like it's a check. So, and she used to have a catalogue. So it used to be like £1.50. So you had to pay your good money for £1.50 with your name and address and then she would or we would post out the catalogues. And uh, anyway, so the Daily Mail, this little piece, you know, said, you know, check out this amazing new company, make your kit, your beads from home and blah, blah, blah. And then the rest was history, her story, because you see the, the, the postman said, oh my God, my back is breaking, having to lug, you know, eight sackloads of mail of all these postal orders, little letters saying, please can I have your catalogue. And so she realised the power of PR was stratospheric. She got too busy, so she couldn't carry on pitching herself to the press. So she employed a very good PR agent who's based in the King's Road. Um, and she, I think she's still doing her PR, and she's around 85 now, which she is incredible. So she managed to get my mum massive uh, press coverage. Wow. You know, the clothes show live, Telegraph... Um, country living, you know, some major publicity, okay? So she, she did a really good job for her. And because I was living in Worcester with my mum, you know, with my family, my siblings and everything, um, it was a bit boring bit, really, being a 15-year-old, a rebel, rebellious 15-year-old. I thought, oh, I want to go into London. I'm going to pretend to help this PR lady. <laughs> so I used to kind of go there, you know, and, and she had a, another person working for her as well. He's also my age. We're actually twins. And it's really weird because that girl has also gone to set up her own very successful PR agency. So this woman has spawned many careers. And we used to work together. We used to like, you know, have a laugh. Me and this other girl, have a laugh. And But at the same time, we're having a good time, but we also were learning things by osmosis. So really, that's how I got into PR, really realising how it was. And then I set up my own business um, back in 2008, importing knitwear. So I kind of did what my mum did. So she was importing beads from around the world. I started to import um, beautiful alpaca knitwear from Peru. And uh, and again, like my mum, I thought, oh, how can I share this with everybody? So I managed to procure a whole lot of press coverage uh, by sending off images and a bit of a, you know, an update about what the hell these things are. You know, the alpaca, what alpaca is, because nobody knew what alpaca was in those days, really, because everybody knew what, uh, what cashmere is. And uh, anyway, so I got press coverage and I thought, oh my God, this is the way to, um, to spread the message about how great a product is. Because as I always say, if it's you writing about you, it's almost like an advert. You know, that's what advert is or that's what social media is. But when you get a journalist to write about your products or services, that is incredible because it gives you credibility and kudos and also new clients. <laughs> so that's where, that's kind of like a real, very fast yeah. potted history. So what would you say the like massive differences between when your mum did the bead thing and you know as you said it was postal orders and then you use the same techniques but in a far more modern world where you've got email and um, online publications as well as physical ones what 
what kind of differences did you employ? Because it was a similar business, what you had. As you say, you were importing knitwear and she was importing beads. So from that point of view, it's quite similar. But there must have been quite yeah. stark differences as to how you approached the, the press because they were a lot more savvy then and lots more people were kind of doing it, I would have thought. Uh, well, I, do you know, I actually think it's the same approach. It's all about developing a relationship with the journalist that you want to pitch to. Um, you know, so back in those days, Okay, so we, yeah, so most of the public, uh, you know, the, the houses, the magazine houses are based in London. So in those, them day with my, you know, with my mum's business, you know, do you remember cycle couriers? You would, you know, you, you know, you literally look in London and you just see hundreds of cycle no. couriers. No? Do you know? No, you don't. Basically, uh, taking yeah. photographs, take, bringing yeah, high-res no, yeah. images, <laughs> samples. I had a friend who was a cycle courier, so we used to employ him quite heavily because you know, you, would, um, you wouldn't be able to send an email of your beautiful products or services. You'd actually have to physically send the product, yeah? Send the samples, or you'd have to do a photo shoot in a, you know, wherever you do your photo shoot, and then they'd want to have the negatives, I suppose. I think that in those days, <laughs> that's what they were called. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, so in those days, God almighty, back in the 1980s and 90s, it used to be, <clears throat> you know, pedal power to get, your, um, to get your photographs and images over to, um, you know, to the magazine houses, but now you literally send an email. So that's a massive difference. Um, and I know, you know, nowadays, yeah. I mean, print was very big in those days. God, we're sounding like, <laughs> you know, harking off to the old times. But, but, you know, print magazines, they weren't in, in decline, whereas currently they're in decline because everything's been taken over so strongly by the internet. But still, there are magazines and new magazines being created, you know, on a monthly basis. You know, go to, if you go to a supermarket, you can see some really interesting new publications. So it's always great to see. Because I, you know, I'm old fashioned, I've just said I'm 50. I love picking up um, a magazine, you know, literally leafing through, what's better than leafing through a publication than literally flicking through, scrolling online, and then, oh, that's interesting. So you kind of lose your place where you were actually looking. You go down a rabbit rabbit hole of uh, intrigue and yeah. you totally get off point. And it's like, oh my God, put the phone down. I'm just going to have some paper magazine reading time or newspaper time. Yeah, I think there's a lot less distraction, isn't there, when, when there's a magazine. Whereas if you manage to get your, your message in front of someone online, they're so very easily distracted by, you know, a notification pings on their phone and they look at that or whatever else. Whereas in a magazine you've really got their attention a lot more I think. Well people consider it their time yes. I think with, pub with physical publications yeah. there's, a, there's an aspect of I'm going to take my time out to do you do that with certain magazines yes. don't you it's like right it's my time to sit down with a cuppa and it's just me and if, it's, if, you're, if your message is, is yeah. sent into the right publication yeah. and it's relevant then yeah. you're more likely to consume that versus anything else. Yes I think. yeah I agree. You know, it's a habit which I really need to get out of. And actually, um, somebody did a masterclass in my PR club the other day, amazing. And it's all about time management. And so if I'm going to sit down and read, let's say, the Sunday Times style, okay, what I need to do, and I don't know if you know this app, it's bloody brilliant. It's called Forest. Do you know it? Uh, no. No. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so Forest, basically, it's an app here. I don't know whether you can see it. Basically, it's a little app here. It's called Forest. And what you do is you want to plant a tree. And, uh, and basically, you set your timer to 25 minutes, 50 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever. And you, know, you start to grow a forest. 
But if you pick up your phone and you get distracted and you have to go and send a text message or an email or you go on WhatsApp, your, all your forests, all the trees which are growing in those 25 minutes suddenly start to wither and die. <laughs> so I bought it the other day. It's only £1.99. <laughs> and it's a really good way to train yourself. And also I watch Channel 4 News every night religiously. But I do multi-screen. I don't know whether you multi-screen. It's a really bad habit to do. And so I'm going to, I need to commit this week. Now I've said it on your podcast. I'm going to commit to using, for, I've only used it once. <laughs> That's how bad I am. So yeah, so I want to use Forest so I can become much more time efficient. So I can sit and read my magazines, watch the news and just be less distracted. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about, um, we, we spent quite a bit of time in previous episodes, in fact yesterday as well, about scheduling time out in your day and making sure that you're not distracted from the particular tasks and it, or the, the downtime, because you need it. You need that, that space to recharge, right? It's yeah, important. it's when you get creative, isn't it? Yeah, I like the fact that that's gamified <laughs> your time. I, I, think we, I think we'll both get that out. <laughs> So what kind of um, <laughs> what kind of um, uh, publications did you secure for your own business? Did you have a similar story as your mum in that you you know you got key pieces of press and things exploded for you, or was it more of a kind of gradual journey? Yeah, so it was really weird, and I think probably back in two thousand and eight, I don't know for some reason it, I don't know I, I suddenly got loads of press coverage, and what I did was. And you can't do it these days, really. I sent a picture of my berets, and I don't know if I've got a beret here to show you. Here we go, perfect. So it's a lovely, for the listeners, it's a turquoise beret, and it's made out of alpaca wool, and it's got pink, it's got stripes. Basically, it's got pink, purple, fuchsia, tur you know, light turquoise and aqua colour, all right? So I sent a flat picture, and this is what I did in those days, okay? Again, this is, this is you know, doing things, A, on a shoestring. I had no money. I was a mum, uh, finished my job in a marketing agency. I'd had babies, and that was that. So I didn't have, <laughs> you know, you had zero money to set up a business. So I was just literally doing it on a shoestring. So I'd literally photograph the beret, the beret's flat, on a, just on, the, like, the kitchen table, okay? So I did a, one beret, I did two berets like that, one and two, overlapping each other. And that was a really great photograph. And then I would send it off to a bloke who would then cut it out. Nowadays, you've got Mr. Clipping, or you can even do it on Canva. You can just literally remove the background, but in those days, you couldn't. So I did a picture, and it was literally two flat pictures of the, you know, two berries, one berry, two berry, okay? And I sent it, and I also sent it as a high-res image. Now, high-res means it's high-resolution, meaning it's about four to five megabytes heavy. Nowadays, I mean, please, no, nobody ever send it like that. You always have to send low-res, which means it's, you know, being, you know, totally compressed. But I sent this off to the independent, so I sent it off to, so I was interested in getting onto shopping pages because it was lovely, beautiful products. So I sent it off, I think, to the, independent to the guardian to the telegraph and to various other places and then suddenly my inbox was like going bing 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 all these orders were coming through and i said oh so thank you so much for your you know and i think customer service is really important so i said thank you so much for your order how did you hear of me and he said oh well, you were in the telegraph and i said the telegraph really i didn't I hadn't even heard the journalist hadn't even contacted me to say you know, thank you very much, we're going to be publishing you, whatever. They just literally stuck the berries in and that was it. And then it was getting loads of orders. So, and I thought, wow, this PR game is so easy. And then, you know, that was, that was like, 
the first bit, that was the honeymoon, and then it's like, shit, this is hard work, because you have to go about, you know, all the kind of the seven steps which I teach my clients of getting into the press, I kind of created those seven steps as a result of trying to get much more press coverage. I got into the Daily Mail's You magazine, okay, so I have my picture of all my publications that I got into with, um, uh, you know, with, with my knitwear business, and what happened was, um, it was literally six months to get there, okay? It was not, you know, you, you see these pictures, you go, oh, that's right, you know, it's like, you know when you see these online entrepreneurs, overnight success? Oh, I made 100K in 10 days, forget it. They've spent 10 yeah. years learning how to get there. So I got into all these amazing publications, but it's a lot of it was a question of building up a relationship, in fact, somebody getting so annoyed with me calling so often, they go, oh, bloody hell, let's just get rid of her and let's put her in. And then that's her. <laughs> I can't remember the woman's name, but she got really, didn't get pissed off with me, but I was being very persistent. And that is what you need to do. If you have a dream publication, you've just got to be so persistent and that will help you get there. Yeah, I've noticed that because obviously Kate's been working with you quite closely over the over recent weeks. And um, one of the things that I didn't realise, because I'm, I'm somebody that, when we talk about marketing, has always been very much, we've talked a lot about you have to create an audience or you have to look at social media marketing strategies or paid ad uh, marketing strategies. And we historically have always thought of PR as, oh, it's nice to do, we'll get round to it at some point and hopefully we'll have a nice article that will pop up somewhere and that will help the website or whatever. And one of the things that I've read that's opened my eyes from Kate's relationship with you is how it's a weekly activity, how there's a constant flow of communications going out and and they're not always the same. The communications that are happening, I mean, there's some articles that you're involved in at the moment with certain publications where they're not necessarily what we would have thought of as part of the initial strategy, yeah. but they're just, they're opportunities that are popping up each week that you're jumping on yeah. and like changing yes. your message and that's a whole new thing for us I think in yeah. terms of and mm. that's something that you teach a lot it's that from what I've seen it's that constant reaching out yes you have to be very consistent with yeah. your co constant reaching out yeah mm. it's 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 kind of opened my awareness more than anything mm. to spotting things that I wouldn't necessarily have seen as opportunities before where I'm like, oh, there's an angle there, you know, I, there's, there's things that you can do that you don't, you don't well, I previously didn't realise. Yeah, and what I also love about your, your, your background story is, I think some people think PR is something for the bigger players, is something that you do once you reach a certain level, and, and it can be something that you implement right from the start, right from the early days, as part of your overall marketing and awareness strategy, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, you can do it yourself. And that is what I'm so passionate about teaching. So, you know, the big boys, they won't be doing it themselves. Uh, and I'm, you know, so as a result of my story, I am, you know, as in my journey with my mum's business, she did it herself, then she employed someone. I did it myself and then you know I actually took on three PR agencies to do it to do my own PR because I was just too busy with my two children 
I was running around the country doing pop-up shops. I literally, I did, a, in total, I did about 125 pop-up shops. Can you imagine? And when I say pop-up shops, I mean going to exhibitions, uh, wow. top draw, you know, so big ones, as well as the very, the, you know, the small ones, like the charity shows, they're called the charity fairs. And you have to pay, you know, you have to pay about 100 quid to attend, and then you have to give 10% of your sales as commission. So it was, it's great, because it raises money for their chosen charities. But I was running around the, con the country in from October through December, the end of December. I remember once going into the deepest, darkest Norfolk on a really bad snowy night because I wanted to sell my knitwear. <laughs> and it really paid off. I, I made about four brands worth of sales there because it was all the right women. It was all the right target audience going there. So anyway, I was so busy running around the country, doing setting up, and they were exhausting. And then I had to come home and look after my children. My husband was at home, but he was, you know, working away. So my God, the childcare, woof, that was another, that's another issue altogether. And I thought, do you know what? You know, the, the PR is so important. I realize the importance of it, but I, I need to employ somebody to do it for me. I went through and I, and also because I had so many successes myself, I just thought I'm going to have to uh, employ somebody. But these people, nobody could get the press that I could get for myself. It was incredible. So I went through three different people and actually nobody got the right, you know, the PR that I could. And also I loved the fact that if a PR agent managed to get me some coverage and I had to speak to a journalist, I would do such a good job of selling in my business so much better than the, uh, the PR person. So I thought, you know what, I need to get it back on track and, uh, and start doing it myself. And then I became really passionate about teaching people how to do it. So it's my life mission to help people promote their businesses. It's really important to do. I think it's invaluable. I, I, I've been very impressed with um, the work you've been doing with Kate so far. And especially because one of the reasons why we, in our photo booth hire business, Smiley Booth, and also with Say It, um, I'd say Smiley Booth more, yeah, because obviously we've had that now for what, 12 years. Mm -hmm. PR has definitely been on our radar uh, on a regular basis. And we've worked with some great people for PR. But the budgetary requirements to get these things launched yes. with a, a, a really good PR agency is incredibly intimidating for a small business. It's um, because a lot of these PR agencies, if they're any good, are dealing with some really big players. Yeah. And, and they understand that there's an opportunity cost on taking you on board as a client. So you need to be you need to be aware and available to take on their pricing plans if you want to come on board with them. And that's a challenge. No, it's a massive challenge and prices can rate. If you take on a PR agent, I, can't, I don't know what you, the prices were that you found, but I've had some horror stories of people coming to me saying, you know, we've paid 25 grand for six months. And, what, and I say, oh, so what have you got out of it? And they say, nothing, nothing. Oh my God, it breaks my heart to hear those stories. Um, you know, what, you had quotes of that or you paid that? Oh, we had quotes, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. That, that was before I found you. Really? God. So it made sense yeah. in taking on my services, didn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I wanted to know more about it myself as well. Um, you know, I, I wanted, I've always been a big believer in that 
whenever yeah. you employ someone, you should have an idea of what it is yourself so that you know, obviously, what, if it's being successful and what kind of measurements, what questions to ask. So, you know, it might be in that in the future I, I use a PR agent again, but by, by working with you, I know so much more about it. Um, that I've got that kind of measuring stick as to, to how it should be working. And also you're in control of it, you see. So if you have, if you, if you take on a PR agent, they will probably steer you and, and, and think, right, this is the angle. I mean, again, it's another thing I hear people saying, you know, the PR agent, you know, this is her idea for me. And I said, I'm not really happy with it. And I want to you know, steer it more like that. Or they've, you know, really got, they think this is my, my press hook, but actually that, you know, the client says, I don't really want to focus in on that side of my story. So you are totally in control of what you're putting out, which is, you know, again, the benefit of, you know, learning how to do your own PR. And I'm in some PR forums from PR people. And it's, you know, it's a it's a challenging job right now for PRs. And I think, do you know what, it's great that I'm teaching people how to do their own PR because I think it's really good that everybody knows how to approach the press, mm-hmm. because if PRs are getting a bit pissed off with their own jobs and they think it's a thankless task, if you, my clients, can go off and get their own PR, my God, you know, you're doing, you're doing brilliantly, really, really well. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, agreed. And I see, I see it as a, like a life skill. If you're in business, it's, it's one of those things that you, you have, there's a whole language that, um, you've kind of adopted and oh, strategy yeah. through Kate's relationship with yourself um, that we were entirely unaware of. And going back to the costs of um, formal PR agencies, um, one of the things that we're, we're big sticklers for is understanding your numbers and understanding your cost per lead and your cost per sale and yeah. all of those things. And when you're, when you're dumping in the best part yeah. of 25 or 30 grand over a six month period on one strategy, and you're a small business in what is pretty uncertain terms right now, mm. you have to have a lot of faith yeah. that your, your cost per lead or your cost per sale is not gonna be inflated some incredible amount, right? Mm. And, and it, it can feel like a gamble. So yeah, and that's, that's one of the reasons why um, yeah, we found that your yeah. method is, is just so powerful in that respect. Yes, and I think also the beauty is that, you know, we're working together for six months, so those six months are never going to leave you, you know? So, you know, I was reading a book last night, it's The Crawdads, it's a really great book, and this guy teaches this Marsh girl how to read, and she said, he said, it's, it's a skill you're never going to forget. You know, you're never going to not be able to read, and you're never going to forget how to pitch to the press because you're you're physically you know you're literally you know you were out fishing and you're you're fishing at the same time do you know what I mean so I've given you the fishing rod you've bought your own fishing rod (laughs) and you're slinging the hook and you're reeling them in because you are physically doing it at the same time you know it's not like you're doing an MBA actually no with an MBA you do often do a bit of um, work placement but you're literally doing your work placement as you're studying and you're running your business, so God, it, I think it's re- yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly having an aha moment for my sales pitches now. <laughs> so, what would you say through the people that you meet and your own experience? What would you say are the common kind of things that trip people up? Why why do people why do people suck at this? <laughs> what what is it that you see and you think, oh yeah, I've seen this a hundred times before. Just stop doing that. What would you say that is? People suck at not being able to be consistent, not being able to send short emails. 
They literally, they send, dear so-and-so, and like a bloody essay, war and peace, forget it. That is what people are doing wrong. So it's all about being short, sharp and punchy with your email. And then they also suck at, let's just say, um, because they haven't been taught, you know, they don't know. They, you know, and this is a common complaint of journalists and I, as you know, I do a monthly pitch clinic. So the, the beauty of that is I hear the journalists, they, I always ask them to give, you know, three to five tips at the beginning of each pitch clinic. And they, and the very common complaint is that the, 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 the entrepreneur, the person who's pitching themselves says, oh, you know, my product, my berets are so great. And they just bang on about the berets let's just say, the alpaca berets, instead they should be talking about how the berets would benefit the readers, you know, or this product or service, how is it going to benefit the reader or the consumer of that out media outlet? So you need to get, get into the head of the editor, get into the head of the reader or the viewer or the listener, and then think, why is your product beneficial? As opposed to just going, hi, I run a knitwear business and my products are just so great. They're colourful and they're bright and they're, you know, not very expensive. You know, whatever. Actually, why are they so great for the readers? What, you know, how's it going to transform their lives or, you know, their wardrobes in that case? So can you share your um, seven steps for our, our readers and listeners? Or in a, in a nutshell, what, what would you... Uh, reduce them to if they're for only your paid customers <laughs> no 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 it's brilliant um basically you do i've created a success path okay and it goes and it's a it's there i mean i have seven secrets on how to get into the press but i'm going to share with you uh my set my five steps okay because i've got that printed off <laughs> i can't i can remember the bit like getting the order so number one <laughs> is uh, zero and actually here it is i'm going to show the readers the what the viewers okay so and i don't know whether you can see me because i can't see you at the moment yeah. so path so zero is the pathfinder mm -hmm. you're la laying down the foundations so what you're doing is you're getting ready your mindset and your vision and again it's brilliant because all of this is what i hadn't done when i first started doing my knitwear business because i made load of mistakes and by making those mistakes, I, my clients now don't make those mistakes, okay? So here's, a, here's more of a pretty picture that is like uh, in colour. So number one, you're getting clarity and you're laying down the foundations, okay? So you know what your goals are, why you want to achieve them. And you're also, a real fundamental thing is because when you do pitch to the press or when you do stand up doing investor pitches or you pitch to, for new clients, you will get knockbacks. Because the more, and this is another thing which I've learned over, over time, I don't know who the hell invented this, maybe you can help me out. Who invented it? By the more no's you get, as in the more no, 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 more no's you get, the more successful you are, or the better your day has been. Because the more no's you get, means the more pitches you've done. Okay? So do you know who did that? Who told us that? No, I don't know who that was, no. No, but anyway, but it's, it's, it's a concept. So the more outreach you do, the better. But sorry, but zero, uh, Pathfinder, the stage zero, is it's, it's understanding your big why, okay? So when you get a knockback, 
you just think, actually, I'm doing this because I'm contributing to putting bread on the table, or I'm contributing to my son's university fees, or I'm putting my daughter through private school, you name it, you'll have a big why. So if the journalist is having a bad day and they slag you off and they don't like the pictures that you've sent in of your knitwear shoot, which I got on one occasion, and the woman was very rude, <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's fine, but a lot of people like it, it's been printed here, here and here, she must be having a bad day, I actually, that happened to me once, and then I thought, sod her, I went upstairs, I started folding the clean laundry, I don't normally do these kinds of jobs, <laughs> it's just like, you know, in a working day, it's something you should do on a Saturday or a Sunday, I went upstairs, folded all the clothes, calmed myself down, picked up the phone and then made another phone call to another stylist and she goes, send in high-res images. Oh my goodness, I love them. Yes, we'd like to publish, publish you. So getting clear on your big why is really, really important, okay? And then it's also having the vision of where you'd like to appear. So I always ask my clients, where are your dream publications? So everybody, most people say I'd love to appear in Forbes um, or Oprah, you know, they've got real high-end things. So, you know, have those. And also, where else would you like to appear? Red, magazine, you know, you name it where. And then phase number one is being the trailblazer. So getting your press kit and your bios ready, because you see without a press kit, and you've now got a very sexy press kit, which is, which actually worked, didn't it? We sent that in. <laughs> And you literally, the woman got back immediately because I, I forwarded your press kit. So, yeah, that's great. Um, but it just shows that you're media friendly and you're ready. So even if you haven't gone all the way down to stage five with all my teachings of my, you know, my steps, having a press kit means that you're ready to pitch the press because you've already identified your biography, what you're good at, you know, what your expertise is, what you'd like to show the, you know, educate people about, and also your accolades or uh, companies that you're associated with. So getting your press kit and your bio ready, so that's really for your toolkit. And then phase number two is being the explorer. This is really important. So that is you getting to know your client, your uh, your client avatar. It's also understanding the competition. That is, you know, the press in getting into the press and searching out your competition and finding out what they do is so good because you know again I did this when I was running my knitwear business I followed my competition really closely I signed up to their newsletters I I kept on seeing them in the telegraph and in all all the publications where I wanted to be I thought okay they're there I'm going to get there uh, and then you also find out the gaps what are they not doing which you are doing and then you also do research about your target journalists so explorer phase is really important so you're getting to know your client your competition target journalist and then stage three is all about being the storyteller so it's having your pr toolkit sorted out so that is getting uh, your website media friendly getting professional photographs um, getting your elevator pitch ready okay because that's really important i've got a special method my formula i don't know whether you know it it's the nail it in eight do you know that formula yes your your yes eight words isn't it go on then what's yours you're on the spot <laughs> <laughs> you, you, called, you called me out oh <laughs> uh, i'll let you off <laughs> i was just gonna say making it succinct yeah but when you're on the spot like now let's just say you've suddenly been told to pick or you're, i mean i remember sitting in front of about 200 people and emma jones you know the ceo of um, enterprise nation i was on a panel she goes so amanda what do you do and i thought oh you know, I thought older me would have thought, oh my God, I'm panicking, I don't know what to say. 
But now because I've managed to nail this nail it in eight formula, you literally just say what you do in eight words. So I train entrepreneurs how to secure press coverage. I literally said that. You know, because normally people go, oh, and I do this, and, and then everybody's eyes glaze over. The shorter you can have it, the better. So you, you say those, yeah. those eight words, and then you add on, if you, if you have time, you add on a so that. So you go, I train female entrepreneurs how to secure game-changing press coverage, that's 10 words, so that they can be seen as the go-to expert, so that they are streets ahead of their competition, so that they are seen everywhere, so that they can attract new clients. And the biggest so that is so that they can earn more money. <laughs> you know, so that is what it's really important to know how to nail. And I'm sure you guys can do it with your smiling, on, your smiling entrepreneurs. You know, so yours would be something like... Yeah, we're going to... I mean, I, I think what's good about you is that you're a husband and wife team and you're techpreneurs. So husband and wife team, techpreneurs, mm -hmm. uh, boost, pe uh, boost entrepreneurs' businesses by our marketing machine methodology or something like that, okay? And that's what it, you know, that's what it is in a tin, isn't it? And, you know, and then you're trustworthy because you're husband and wife team. You've said that you're techpreneurs and you've said who you work for, you know, who you work with, who you serve. There you go. So what do you think about that then, Lee? Like it? <laughs> I do. Well, it's, it's a problem that we, that with Smiley Booth, when we started Smiley Booth, I remember trying to get the, the wording down to something very succinct was an absolute nightmare because you wanted... Because I remember feeling like I wanted the customer or the potential customer to have the whole experience by what I was saying. Know everything. Yeah, <laughs> and then we're finding the same with our Say It, the video capture platform. That we, so many people, we, we go into this really verbose, <laughs> like kind of description of what on earth we do, and they still come away going, um, <laughs> yeah, no matter how many words you use, they're still confusing anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's why I think in small business, uh, or if you're a startup or you're in small business, it's really useful having people like yourself around you because you can cut through the crap. Yeah. People like you can come on board and go, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, you're losing me. Get rid of that. Get rid of this. And it's that's so important, right? Yes. Yeah, because you're so you know you're there, aren't you? The trees are just you know your nose is pressed against all the trees and the wood. You can't see the wood for the trees. And it, you know with my business as well. I mean you know hands up in the air. It's cobblers in their shoes. So I have people who help me with my messaging. <laughs> um, you know, so I think it's really important to just have an outsider's point of view to um you know to give you a good old idea anyway so that was phase number two god these phases you asked me uh number three yeah it's getting no sorry number three was your um getting your your press toolkit number four is getting your pr plan of action so you've identified what your press hook is a press hook is your reason to pitch to the press uh, and you decide what your pitch angle is so why are you going to be targeting and who and all the rest of it so you need to have a PR strategy and a PR plan of action. So it's a document stating the publications you want to uh, start going for uh, and what your angles are. So you've got that, you know, ready reckoner. 
and then you also have a campaign so it's like a spreadsheet of you know listing out the you know the the journalist's name, email, publication, and what they said, and when to get back in touch with them. Again, I didn't have any of this when I was running my knitwear business. I was having my children. You know, I've got a. Whenever I give a presentation, there's a picture of. <laughs> I put this picture of them with um, smeared all my lovely Mac lipstick all over their mouths because they were just messing around when I was busily probably talking to a journalist. Um, you know, so you you know you having to juggle so many things. And so I would, then I think what happened was I come on and said, children, stop messing around with my lipstick. And then I'd go back and I'd call the woman about three times. It's awful. And then she goes, Amanda, you've called me now four times. Never call me again. Oh. So I was blacklisted. So I thought, oh, it's time for me to get a bit more systems based. And I need to start having a spreadsheet. <laughs> so that's that one. And then the final one is you're an authority. You are a press friendly expert. And so you've got your me your media friendly, and they are calling you up and asking you to do you know co quotes and comments. Now that's not always going to happen. And again, as Lee said earlier, you know is a constant thing of reminding people who you are. So really, that's how you get yourself into the press. Yes, and something I've learned from from working with you that I didn't realise is just how easy it is to actually get find these people not necessarily to get in the press obviously as you've just outlined it's there's techniques and it's difficult and it's being persistent but just to actually be able to find these people's contact details you know they're not like closely guarded secrets they're out there for you to just go and pitch to quite readily available which it was something that was as I say very much opened my eyes I was always thinking like oh how do you how do we get anywhere near these people but there's no gatekeepers a lot of the time you can get directly to the person that you want to which is the beauty of email but again working with PR agents you know the three people I worked with when I was running my knitwear business that would be such a closely guarded secret they would never ever want to share not even the names um, so I again that's the methodology I like to use and that is to be open and to say so here's the person's name and you know if they work at the BBC it's quite easy to kind of potentially gather what their email address is because literally the BBC is name.surname at bbc.co.uk and that's pretty much for most publication houses you'll find that um, that formula so you know but unless they're a freelancer but most most of the time if they're a freelancer they either have their open they have a little envelope on the Twitter meaning you can DM them direct message them or they'll have their website so yet you then have to um, you know be sneaky and find it through there but you have to be careful so it's all very well getting their contact detail it's then the power is in the actual pitch having a good headline, don't write war and peace, and all the stuff which we mentioned earlier. Yes. And how, um, it was interesting that you said about, you know, the, the follow-up and the, it, you, the, the, the lady was just like, oh, just publish her because she keeps bothering me. Like, how, how much is too much? Because that's something I do struggle with, that I'm like, I don't want to upset these people and be blacklisted, like you mentioned, but at the same time, you want to keep knocking on that door. So where's that balance? Yes, I mean, persistence is king. So, um, and again, going back to my, the days when I was running my, um, the boot, I, I ran a boutique PR agency, so I did done for you PR, but I soon went off that. <laughs> but anyway, I was trying to get a client. She said to me, I only want to get into Psychologist magazine. That's the only place I want to go. And I thought, oh my God, okay. Talk, talk about a tall order. So, um, and you know, this is pre-corona times. So everybody worked in a head office and this, that and the other. And so I was calling this company 
and I'd call, I think I'd call them like once a week and I'd never get put through to the, to the editor. And in the end, I actually changed my accent and my voice. <laughs> you know, they say, you go, hi, is Susie there? And they go, who's speaking? And I go, it's Amanda. And they go, oh, right, it's Amanda, is it? We'll see. And then they ring through or they pretend they're ringing through and they never bloody do. They go, oh, sorry, she's in a meeting. So once I put on a, because I'm from the Midlands, so I put on a broomy accent. Hello, can I speak to Susie, please? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I got put through, and then I go, oh, hello, it's Amanda here. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, in answer to your question, I think it's um, three times you should follow up, but never, if you get on the phone, this is a pet hate of journalists, is if you say, um, hi, did you get my email? They hate that. Never, ever utter those three words. Did you get my email? Sorry, four words. So um, you have to follow up and then just leave it three to four days because it might be in their inbox, might be in their inbox. And then the thing is, I would, you know, follow up and then just do like once a month, but get onto their radars. Get If, if there is somebody like, let's just say Susie Walker from Psychologies or the editor from Style Magazine, whatever, just get onto their radar, follow them on Instagram, follow them on Twitter, like, retweet, but don't hassle them. And then one day when you're doing your next killer pitch they'll go oh gosh she's been helpful I remember her you know because then it's somebody they actually know as opposed to some random cold calling pitch and hopefully there's a bit of reciprocity going on and you've helped them you've sent them a link or you've you know shared their posts or whatever they'll think okay yeah it's time to put back sometimes not always but you know that does work it's another method mm -hmm. yeah definitely Okay, so most important question of all, have you been for a swim this morning? <laughs> God, yes, my hair's looking a bit wet, but no, I'm really sad. I haven't been for a swim, but I'm, I've got one booked in for Wednesday, so I'll be doing a sea swim at 7.30am on Wednesday. Thank you very much. <laughs> have you? <laughs> so... Uh, no, definitely not. So uh, listeners and viewers, it might sound a, a strange question, but I asked Amanda that because she's recently got into um, wild swimming. So rivers, rivers, sea in the middle of winter, but you're, you're loving it, aren't you? From what I've, what I've seen and, and read. <laughs> it's an addiction. And it's interesting. Since I've started that, I've got a new niche in client clientele. I've got two clients who are wild water swimmers one is a coach and one is a um a reflexology expert and uh, no it's opened up a whole new lifestyle for me it's incredible and i'm training to do a two mile swim at a swim festival in henley in the henley river so uh it's great while and i've also been invited onto a podcast talking about it's actually called the joy of swimming which i listen to which i love it's a really interesting podcast with everybody like me and evangelizing about um you know how amazing swimming is and the benefits and it just makes you more resilient and resistant hopefully to uh any bugs that might be out there hello coronavirus <laughs> that's a reason another reason why i'm doing it because you kind of build up your immune system as well so how did you get into that because especially in the winter <laughs> uh, well i used to do triathlons i used to do triathlons you know when i was um 20 upwards so that was that was that and then i you know again having the children you know my bike i've got two bikes in the garage and they haven't been touched since my triathlon days um and i had a wetsuit and i always kept it you know i've done many many house moves you know in, over the years i always kept this wetsuit and then i tried it on it's like oh 
don't think I put on that much weight, but it was very tight, very skin tight, and I can't fit into it. Um, and I thought, oh, well, you know, my friend kept on posting videos of her doing her cold water swims. I thought, oh, that looks amazing. And I thought, oh, well, I, I just love swimming in, in the... Um, you know, in the gym, you know, I, I'm a member of David Lloyd, they've got an outdoor pool, I used to do my little videos, because I'm about to go into the freezing cold water, it was actually heated, <laughs> anyway, and then I was 50 last June, and my brother and his girlfriend, Helen, gave me a wetsuit, and that was literally the key to my, you know, my new habit, my new hobby, and I haven't looked back since, so I then, I went, then went for an induction, um, cold water swimming induction, learn how to do it safely, going in too slowly and splashing your face and all the rest of it. And now I just do it once a week to keep up, you know, the uh, immunity and also the um, acclimatisation. Wow. So do you follow any of uh, Wim Hof's stuff with the cold water and... Absolutely, ice? yes. I love his, um, yeah, his three-minute breathing <laughs> technique. I'm trying to, I've, I think I've managed two and a half minutes or two minutes. So, uh, yeah, no, he's great. Wim Hof is amazing. See, I've just got a man up or woman up, really, haven't I? I hate cold. I hate cold water. <laughs> yeah, well, well, even if it rains too much, you're, that's it, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the whole thing is actually, you know, if you have the equipment, the right gear on as well. I'll get my nail it and eight sorted first. <laughs> yes, that's yes. I want to see your nail it and eight. Please share it. <laughs> well, that, that's our commitment on the podcast. We'll get that. Get that. Sorted. Brilliant. Yes. yes well, when you um, when you publish it, I want you to say at the end of it, your nail it and eight, and with your plus, you'll sew that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, we will do. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been, um, you know, it's been a fascinating journey learning with you over the last couple of months, anyway, and and that was why we wanted to kind of bring you onto the podcast to share some of your your PR knowledge and PR stories um, with everybody. Oh, one last question, actually. Um, the the world has obviously moved very much online now, and and although, as we stated earlier, that physical publications are are great and. Um, and a lot less, um, uh, sorry, a lot more kind of focused for people. There's obviously a lot of online only stuff now, things like Medium and, you know, um, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, all of these things that are very much kind of just online. Is is that a different technique, would you say, for people trying to get that kind of awareness through PR? I think it's, you know, it's the same kind of way you're building up a relationship you're researching the publication you're getting to know it it's exactly the same thing as if you're buying a physical publication so i would say not really um you know and very often you'll go oh how you know you'll you can research you'll press into google how to get into x publication so that's one way but another way you know and they'll say you need to do this you need to submit it you need to this, you know so yes that's one way but another way is actually to find out who are the journalists or the contributors to those publications and do your whole getting to know them campaign and helping them out you know like I said so I think it's pretty much it's, it's about relationship building which is really important with PR yes yeah, yeah. so um, obviously we've seen the enormous value that you've been adding um, with with our journey and PR and everything else and there's no doubt going to be listeners and watchers who have small businesses or startups or whatever it is who are going to be thinking right okay Love what Amanda's been saying through this episode. How on earth do I find her? So how do our listeners and watchers 
find you? Okay, well, you can, if you want to see my crazy um, swim videos as well, you can find me on Instagram. So I am at PR, sorry, at Amanda PR Expert. And that's, you'll find me there on Instagram and Twitter. And then my website is www.amandapr.com. And then you'll see I've got some free resources. And you'll also be able to download, I think, the uh, success path. So you can work out what stage you're at. Zero to five. Brilliant. We'll put that some links um, on our show notes as well to the success path so that people can uh, do that Thank as you. well. Superb. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, you said you had some successes. Kate, so do you want to share them right now? That you had, you've been pitching away and you've had some success stories. Yeah. So uh, Tech Round was the, I think that was the lady that you mentioned that you sent our press kit to, um, which was uh, she was interviewing people for their predictions for um, startups for 2021. Um, and obviously we have the marketing exp- expertise to comment on that, but we also are a startup as well with, uh, with Say It. So we kind of had um, both, both sides of the story there. And that was great because we were featured with lots of other, um, quite high people in business. and well, some um, very high profile people that yes. we were basically commenting next to. Yeah. So that, that was great. Um, we, I also got... Um, uh, Women's Own um, interviewed me on Friday for, um, and this is what you were referring to. It was it's it was a piece that you wouldn't I wouldn't have really seen the connection before, but it was just a piece about um, she, it was a debate between me and another lady about whether you, about childcare basically and um, whether you should pay family members to help you with childcare. And I did that when when our kids were younger. I I paid family members to help us because they were losing their own income by helping us. So I felt quite strongly that we should pay them. Um, And you'd think that that was unrelated, but we were allowed to mention businesses. And so I um, have included Say It as appreciation for your grandparents. So it's very related. Um, And so that that kind of thing I would normally have missed before. So um, it doesn't have to be directly speaking mm. about your business it can kind of segue in quite nicely well and also thanks to yes. um your uh, relationship and introductions you've been able to pitch to editors yeah. uh, really high profile publications on a one-to-one basis over video call and so on and some of the feedback that you've had from from those editors and so on mm. has been wonderful mm. i mean one of them was saying to you, look, here's my personal detail, like, here's my direct details, definitely consider you in the future for this, that and the other. And it's the start of those relationships. Yes. That's, and, that's, and that's not just valuable in a business profile basis. It's also valuable on a personal level for you. Yeah. Because there's, it's very empowering knowing that, you can, that these people are human beings and that you can, you can meet their need, right? It's not, yeah. and you realise it's not as intimidating. I mean, Christ. I'm saying this as if I was on the call. You're the one that did the call. I'd st- I, I would still be very intimidated if I had to do that this week. But, but, I'll get him doing the next one. No, 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 no. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's important because I think that feeds into all aspects of the business, right? That Those experiences have also helped with your conversations and our conversations with... Um, with companies yes, introducing say it and things like that yeah. hasn't it that's as a direct yeah. result of that activity yes. so it's a very similar apo- approach i find yeah pitching so it, yeah so it has 
absolutely helped. Oh, I'm really <laughs> pleased. It's lovely to hear. This is like the longest testimonial video ever. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to clip it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you have a busy day to get on with, so we won't keep you any longer. But thank you again for, for joining us. And um, yeah, I uh, might do another one at the end of our, our six months. So kind of follow up would, would be nice. We'll, we'll jump on there and see, see where we've got to. Lovely. Well, listen, it's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for the invitation. And again, have a lovely day and get those wetsuits. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>